it is a time for review. And today we're going to be reviewing the first base position. We're going to do the, it's going to be like a Christmas carol over here. Ghosts of the past, present, and future of first base. How it went, how we think it'll go, and how it might go in the near future on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Uh, on top of that, I want to say I'm Jeff Ellis, the host of Lockdown Guardians, as I have been since its inception before that. And there was a little overlap where I was the lead prospect and draft analyst at 24-7 and scout. And before that, I wrote for many a Cleveland sports blog, but primarily at uh, Indians Baseball slash Indians Prospect Insider. Justin, let them know about you. Yes, I am Justin Latta. The, I think we're about a month in, almost a month in to me co-hosting with you. It's been a great month. Uh, I am currently the managing editor of Guardians Baseball Insider, which was previously Indians Baseball Insider, which was previously Indians Prospect Insider. So that's how Jeff and I got to know each other. Uh, not that I worked there at the same time, but I've also been freelancing for the Willoughby News Herald and Lorraine Morning Journal. And I've also been at Burning River Baseball, ESPN Sweet Spot. It's pronounced Lajway and fan-sided. And I think that covers mostly everything. No, so we are across the network doing a thing where we kind of profile players and do this player review. But we decided rather than do a player review, we're going to do our own spin on it and do a positional review and talk about the players who you know, handled that position and you know who we think is going to handle it in a year and who we think might be handling it in five so let's start at the past history first base it started the year with bobby bradley back there now if you're a longtime listener of the show you know i was never on the bobby bradley train hot june of uh 2021 or not there were always serious concerns and questions and i mean i is it bad i don't know what organization he is with now they they released him not with one Oh, no one picked him up? No, I have a suspicion that's because he's going to probably sign overseas next year. All those overseas clubs, I think Korea and uh, Japan, have a cap on how many international players they can have. So he probably had to wait till next year. That's just a guess. I don't have any inside information, but that's just a guess based on how he was, things have lined up. You know, he, wasn't, he wasn't even on the 40-man anymore, and they just let him go in the middle of August, or the beginning yeah. of August, I should say. So it was kind of a... Interesting cut. He could become a Sam Horn type of figure if he goes over there. I mean, with the the raw power and ability, he could, you know, it could be an Alex Ramirez situation all over again. Uh, though I will stand, Alex Ramirez never got enough of a chance here in America before he went on to become a multi-time MVP in Japan. That is me going way outside the box, but you know, gotta throw out the Alex Ramirez reference. He was a superstar when I was twelve in in Double A, maybe it was ten, but they were still in Canton then, but. Bobby Bradley started the year and it was essentially until Naylor got healthy. Right. And in between you had Owen, the Owen Miller experience for that one, one and a half great months. Um, and then it was, you know, Miller and Naylor throughout the year uh, with the postseason then being Miller goodbye, Naylor uh, 
and Ray can't get his name right, Gabby. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that full year progression. I thought Naylor would be better, but I didn't think he'd be this good this year. What did you, did you have the expectation he was going to kind of really just firmly have, you know, anything approaching what he did this year? I don't think it was fair to have any real heavy expectations for Naylor just because of, you know, how nasty that leg injury was a year ago. If you thought he was going to come back and be, you know, a 20 home run guy, he's, he, you know, he's always had like 30 home run power. His, uh, the, the knock on him has been not enough balls in the air. He's had a hard time getting the ball in the air enough to get to all of his power. Um, this year he had to change his stance a little because of his leg, which, um, you know, turned out to be kind of a blessing for him offensively because he needed to adjust some things and that, that stance allowed him to lift the ball a little more. So that was helpful for him, but no, I don't think you could have any expectations for him other than, you know, let's see if he can play, you know, a hundred games. How many games could he play? He ended up with almost 500 plate appearances, which is a miracle considering what happened to him a year ago. And, and the funny thing is when he came back, Bobby Bradley was on this team for like, couple of days a week he played gosh how many games in right field did josh Naylor play don't forget josh Naylor played in right field this year um, i forgot he well, played there this year didn't last yeah. no as soon as they cut bait from bobby bradley uh Naylor was at first base and, and i think they wanted Naylor to play first base all along uh, i guess they were just hoping bobby bradley would I don't know, give them something and he didn't give them anything, it, but it's kind of interesting, like to look at Bobby Bradley and look at Owen Miller, because both of these are essentially guys who had a hot month, a month and a half. And then the rest of it was terrible. Like Owen Miller, in spite of having a month and a half where he was arguably one of the top 20 hitters in baseball, finished the year as one of the bottom 25 hitters in, in baseball by, you know, runs created plus Bobby Bradley had that great call up and then, just came back to earth and then was really awful at the start of this year. It's like there's some, while there's not similarities in the type of players, it's similar in how long of a run these guys got based on, and I know what I'm doing with my hands is terrible. So I'm going to stop right now, but the, uh, the run they got being based on, you know, early success, like Owen Miller didn't, didn't have the early success a year ago. And Bobby Bradley didn't have that early success in his first call up, but both of them, when they got their first, like their secondary look, were successful and that seemed to carry them through a whole season of opportunities, if not more. Yeah. I mean, Bobby Bradley had eight home runs when he came up in June last season, when they finally decided to move on from Jake Bowers, boy, very nice to spend a whole year not to talk about Jake Bowers. Cause what a, what a fun little divisive topic that was for a while. Um, but when they moved on from Jake Bowers, Bobby Bradley had that great June and everyone thought, Oh, he's figured it out. You know, he's, he had 955 OPS that month, eight home runs. And then, um, that was it. Everything was pretty much downhill from there. He didn't hit very well the rest of the season. He finished that year with a, a 611 OPS um, after the All-Star break. And really, there's no numbers to even bother looking at this year because he had um, all of 17 plate appearances this year before Cleveland decided they'd had enough because that was yeah, and nine straight games. more opportunities than him. Yeah, and Chang, yeah, before Chang Wart is welcome too. And and I think I remember exactly what happened to us. Bradley, I think, had two errors in like two games or something. He mm-hmm. just looked terrible in the field. And you were like, okay, well, that's not good because he's think, not hitting home runs. So, yeah. And yes. last offseason was part of like one of my least favorite things the annual 
I believe it was before the 2021 season, maybe it was before 2022, the annual tradition of so-and-so players in the best shape of their life and they're going to break out. That like never happens. Like maybe they get some additional coaching. It's like, I always joke. It's the uh, Casey Kochman got LASIK surgery. Um, every camp, there's some equivalent of that because that's the first one that I really remember from my lifetime. But hey, it worked for Charlie Peralta. <laughs> I mean, it was no Logan. This year was Logan Allen was in the best shape of his life. Or was that last year? Was it Bobby Bradley? I can't remember. But like, this is literally, I feel like there are writers out there. The, the, oh, I can go the opposite way. Those credentialed people, they just have the same article and they changed. I'm kidding. Um, I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. Um, I I can't let certain things go, but it does feel like to a degree, there is this narrative that like every year, just, okay, scratch out the name, put in a new name. This guy was in the best Mm -hmm. shape. I'm trying to remember if it was this year. And the fans will let us know the listeners, if Bobby Bradley was this year, or I think it was Logan Allen was this year. And Bobby Bradley was last year was the best shape. I think, well, Bobby Bradley's had two stints like that. I think, I think it was last year for Bobby Bradley. It wasn't 2022. It was 2021. And I think Logan Allen was, Maybe this year. I don't know. It's happened so much. Like Cody Anderson was in the best shape of his life at one point. And yeah, it just, those things almost never translate. The funny thing is though, is for Josh Naylor, for all of the, you know, people out there that poke at his um, build, you know, yes, he's not in fantastic shape. He is Uh, never going to be in the best, you know, this is going to be, he's going to be closer to the Kevin Mitchell riding a bike set than the, you know, Greek God physique ones, but you want to know what is he spent all that. Right. But he spent all last year and coming into spring training, trying to heal from his uh, leg. And let's not forget this either, Jeff, that he was not able to talk to Chris Faleka. Like he couldn't work because the lockout, he was not able to to rehab at the the facilities in Goodyear. He wasn't able to talk to coaches, the trainers, nothing. Like I'm sure he had like, you know, back channel communications, but he did all of this without any offseason help from the team. He had a period where he was like bedridden essentially. Cause that leg injury, I mean, I never want to see it again. Anyone who like tweets that image uh, should immediately get their account suspended on Twitter. And like um, right. for punishment, they should have to have a one-on-one conversation with Hiram about you Chen Chang. Uh, if you ever retweet that I'm again, Hiram, I love your passion. I just like to poke fun sometimes, but I don't know. I'm being a real jerk today. I'm just going to, I, we all know what's coming eventually before the end of the show uh, in terms of my jerk moves, but like he, when that injury being as bad as it was, it's like he had to spend a significant, like I remember reading the stories about like his, him sitting there swinging like a bat in bed while his dad is trying to throw him like pitches or like a modified bat. Like, it was he, like a sock. He was swinging yeah. socks. Yeah, rolled up because socks. he couldn't get out of bed. Cause I mean, it was, I mean, that's one of the worst injuries. Like when that happened, I go, there's a chance he never comes back. So uh, his performance was fantastic. Uh, there's every reason to believe it could get better just with a full off season with, like you said, the hating coach plus just being healthy. Um, right. Maybe yeah, he can I mean, work on his con- conditioning if he chooses. Like, yeah, clearly it wasn't a total factor this year. I mean, I don't think, I don't think his being whatever condition he's in attributed to him hitting, having a five twelve OPS against lefties. Like that's, that's a totally separate issue, but yeah, I don't think he's ever going to hit lefties. You know, there are some he guys may, who never hit and that's find him a caddy. You know, we'll we'll maybe talk about that in the next segment. But I think mm-hmm. all in all, we started this year feeling like this position is a black hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now you feel like it's I don't know if I want to say it's settled because 
you know, maybe you view Naylor someone as a part-time first baseman or maybe a future DH, but you certainly feel a lot better today than you did this time a year ago, right? You have the strong side of the platoon figured out at the very worst. Like, you can say, okay, we're going to give him the chance to hit lefties and see if he can improve, whatever. Um, but at the very least, you know that you've got a guy who, look, he had an 856 OPS in 371 plate appearances against right-handers. And we just talked about how he was hurt all last year and came back late this year and, and still had to find his timing and his comfort. And he was still playing on, you know, a leg issue for most of the season. If he has a full healthy offseason, uh, yeah, there's no reason those numbers can improve. And who knows what it'll do against lefties. But I feel like going into 2023, you at least feel like you have the strong side of the platoon figured out. So that's that's a huge <laughs> Huge part of the battle they haven't had. They haven't had that for years. It always felt like they had the the, yeah. the right-handed side of the platoon figured out, right? They've always had the guy who can hit lefties at first base, but they've never had the guy who can handle the the majority of the reps, and now you feel like you do. The last platoon I can really think of that was successful there was uh, Ben Broussard and Eduardo Perez, and then it's just more like, hey, those two netted us as Drupal Cabrera and Shin, Shin Chu Chu from Seattle. Oof. Like, So I'm Boy. like, I don't know how successful they were and how much it was just the trade returns. Um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, I said, you feel good about it and you know, Hey, you Chen Chang's got a chance to play second base for the Red Sox next year. Right. With as badly as they're shaping up. So, Hey, maybe multiple starters will be from this position, uh, in major league baseball next year. That's true. And one in Korea, maybe. Yeah. They could have three (laughs) players starting across well, and and Owen Miller in the independent league. So I'm, Oh man, that's a shot. I'm, I'm just, I'm, yeah, it's, I guess it's one of, you know, I, I, I got a metal water bottle thrown in my head today and now I'm just all, oh. all things are off uh, one of those days, but uh, yeah, we're going to take our first break or we'll come back. I'm going to try to be less of a jerk and we're going to have some fun talking about, uh, you know, the, who else could be used to make this a better position? What ways first base could be improved. And then in segment three, you know, we got Justin here who does the Guardians of the Future podcast. Make sure you're checking that one out and subscribe as well. Obviously, someone who knows the miners very well. We're going to get into the weeds in segment three on some possible future first baseman that could be nerdy. System. But first, let's take a break and talk about one of our sponsors, Simply Safe. And, you know, I talked about last time with Simply Safe. I, whenever I buy anything, and this is, I don't mean this is like an ad for like US News, but US News is who I trust. Before I bought my car, I went to US News. Uh, that is like the truth. I go and I look, and I've always been a believer in US News. And I, I, I'm hyping US News because they called Simply Safe the best home security system of 2022. If US News says it, I feel good about it. If I, my, this house that you are seeing in me, seeing in me, seeing around me right now, the previous owners have had Simply Safe and all the equipment. Is here. It is sturdy. It is functional. Everything about it is. It's not one of those things you get. I have seen other people who've had home security systems where you look at the sensor. I'm like, how is this sensing anything? They have fantastic equipment. They have a fantastic reputation. And you know, again, when U.S. News says something, I stand up and listen. They have 24/7 professional monitoring, and when a threat is detected, Simply Safe monitoring professionals promptly contact you and dispatch first responders to your home, even if you're away or unable to respond. 24-7 professional monitoring costs under a dollar a day. That's less than the cost of AD, ADT's traditional professional plans. 
Simply Safe blankets your home with protection. With advanced sensors in every room, window, door, HD security cameras inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion. Don't miss this chance to save big when you when you protect your home with the best. Get 40% off your order when you visit simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB today. That's simply safe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com backslash locked on MLB today. Customize the perfect system for your home. There's no safe like simply safe. So let's talk about, you know, we, we kind of touched on it a little. I don't know what I'm doing with my hands today either. I'm just juggling. I, it, rough, rough day. Not a good day for your camera to be off, Justin. I'm just over here clowning it up. Um, <laughs> I'll have that fixed a couple of days for anybody who's you know, bothered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right? I don't, I don't, I don't say that to like tease you more to make fun of myself. Um, so after the Guardians spent the last year showcasing Owen Miller as a utility type, who could they, you know, if they decide to move on from him, you know, we didn't really get into Gabby. Is Gabby the guy at first base in that platoon instead? Is it someone on the market? Is it that, you know, maybe Naylor is more of a DH with an Oscar Gonzalez type of platoon deal and they look to upgrade first in its entirety? Uh, you know, how would you go? I don't know. I, I guess you can go with like Naylor as the DH against against righties and maybe have Oscar DH against lefties. I don't know. It's hard to say because they didn't, uh, what they did in the, in the postseason was they had Brennan DH against righties. So it's, it's kind of a weird platoon. And I don't know how much they want to leave DH open to like move guys around. I think you can at least give Naylor the, the majority of the reps at first base and maybe give him a day off on his feet at DH. I mean, he was good defensively at first base. Think of how many good um, stretches and everything else he had in the postseason that were kind of game savers. So as far as Owen Miller, safe to He's say. He's 79 outs above average uh, for first base, if you're curious. Who's that? Uh, Naylor. 79. That's a you know pretty solidly read in terms of his. Yeah. Okay. But on the other hand of that, Owen Miller is at 91. How do we feel about that? I think they can't judge first baseman is what that tells me. <laughs> right. That's not um, exactly a, a ringing no. endorsement for that. I, yeah. if, if, I don't know, maybe it was a postseason thing, but something tells me that <laughs> if they were willing to move on from Miller in the postseason to yes. Gabby Arias and then in, in that situation at first base, he might be the better option going forward. I know like some people have said, Miller has like good splits against lefties in the minors previously, but he, and, and it's hard to know what he would, what they in AAA they could be because in 2021 in AAA, he did not have good numbers against lefties down there, but it was yeah. a very short sample size. So it's hard to say. I, I think that maybe, maybe Miller stays in the 40 man roster. I mean, what he's got, uh, I'm pretty sure he's got options left. It's not like you got to DFA him, right? He's no. got, uh, he's got to have uh, some left. He's only been up what twice. Yeah, he's got two options left, so next year would be his. He didn't he didn't get option at all this year, so he still has uh, two options left. So you can keep him on the 40, because I still think there's something to be had there in terms of um, what he can do, but I don't think he's the guy you can say, okay, this is our first place between with Josh Naylor, and this is how it's going to work. No, I don't know. Arias, I feel like, is wasted at first base defensively, but if he can hit lefties and he can come into his own a little bit offensively, I don't see why you can't go that route. Um, but I think the move for 2023 
has to be external. Beyond 2023, to me, is the question because if it's not, if the if the if the internal answer isn't Gabby Arias and Josh Naylor at first base, then I don't know what the alternative is. It's got it's either got to be external, and I don't know how long that lasts. Well, before we like jump to 2023, uh, who would you? Okay, so like when I'm talking first baseman, for me personally, I've, I brought up Brandon Drury a lot. He played some first, some third, even a little bit of second. Uh, in some regards, he's perfect for this team because he is that guy who can keep things fluid and open, which we know they they love in terms of just roster uh, sense. You know, he could easily be an Owen Miller type, but more. Uh, you know, Christian Walker's name I brought up multiple times. If you want to go out and get a guy who is going to provide that that Fran Mill-esque power that we talked about in yesterday's show. Uh, he jumps out to me. The question is, is Arizona a team look better in the second half with their young talent emerging up for trading him? And the only reason I say maybe is because he's got two years of team control left. He's already in his 30s. Uh, you know, Josh Bell, everyone brings up. I think he's going to get pricey. Um, yeah. We'll talk about him eventually. But, uh, you know, who – you know, who am I leaving off? Should we, you know, Eric Hosmer is, is available, right? I get people asking me about him from time to time. Uh, Eric Hosmer like, is the same as you saying the word showcase around me. If I want, if I have to watch Eric Hosmer play first base for Cleveland, I don't get why not, people like him. I mean, that was the minute that contract signed. I'm like, that is a terrible contract. Like objectively, it was a bad deal. The moment San Diego signed Hosmer, it was a bad deal. It didn't make any sense from day one. It was bad. He was an inconsistent player, and it was just the oddest thing. Like he was, he is a guy. Like he is the like the Bob Costas love. You know, I don't know who it was back then, but it's like everyone loved him for he plays the game right. I'm like, playing the game right is the same as playing the game well. And uh, yeah, no, he was Santana was a better first baseman the whole time they're in the same division together. Yeah, I. But people still like Hosmer. I still had people at the deadline. Why didn't the Gardens trade for him? It's like. Because he's got a terrible contract, even if San Diego's giving him away, he isn't that good, and Cleveland's on his no trade. Like you know, you know what Eric Cosmer is. He is what I like to refer as the oh, I know that name, so he must be good. If I, if those are the fans who think that, and this is not to you know crap on any fans, like we don't do that like other podcasts, but um, when you when you have a guy that you know his name, like he's popular, he's been around for a while, you're like oh, you just assume he must be good. Like yeah, just because you know his name doesn't mean he's good. Mm-hmm. It's my dad. You know, it's, it's people like my dad where it's like, he's like, oh, I don't know most of the other teams, so that's a name I know. You know, it's like there's right. a certain type of fan who doesn't follow super in-depth, but still likes to – my dad likes to watch the game, but he's not he's not looking up a box where he's not doing any of that. So those names he knows do have additional value. And it's, you know, everyone watches and enjoys games in different ways. And, you know, right. I do get a lot of call. Like anytime a trade happens, my dad's calling me like, okay, explain this to me. So then I sit down and he gets – uh, before I do a locked on now, I got to do a locked on dad, but uh, we, <laughs> we talked through it, but yeah, no, I get that. So who, you know, I mentioned, I kind of took the air out of this when I mentioned probably the three big names. Is there any other names to mention or is it like, who do you want? I mean, there's also my, my sleeper is still Connor Joe because Colorado is terrible and boy, does he murder um, left-handed pitching. Yeah. I kind of looked at his numbers too. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure who is, going to be moving guys this offseason. Uh, I know some people have mentioned Carl Santana, uh, who was not good against righties this year, but had good numbers against lefties. And it's hard to say, like, it's a one-year sample and it's a small sample. Is that mm-hmm. something new for him because he's a switch hitter? 
Um, is he only good against lefties now? I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily go down. I that heard route that Seattle helped adjust his swing. I heard there were some adjustments in Seattle. Okay. Just in terms of like the change, just as, as well, you can never, you can never rule out Cleveland bringing back a player they like. I know as yeah. as much as we rag on, oh, I know that player. Cleveland just hey, we we know that player. We like that player. We'll bring him back. So I guess never count that out. Yeah, I'm with you, Josh Bell. Uh, I like I like the fit, but I also don't like the fact that he's he's 30 and he is probably going to command at least a four year deal. And I I'm sure Cleveland stays away from that. Um, yeah. The only the, the names that just make the most sense to me off the bat are, um, like you said, Christian Walker, I think makes a ton of sense. A, I, I don't know if Arizona, like, okay, he's 31 and he is, he, I mean, as, as good of a defensive first baseman as he was this year, like, is the Arizona a position where they're like, oh, Christian Walker, that's our guy for the next three years. If we don't got to worry. Like, I feel like there are guys on their team they can probably, uh, positions on their team they can upgrade and maybe they can go out and get another first baseman like that. That shouldn't be a building block for them, correct? Like they have, you know, Varsho and, and Marte and McCarthy and Thomas and Corbin uh, Corbin Carroll. Like they have all these good players. Mm-hmm. I feel like Christian Walker probably isn't like a, a guy where they're like we have to build around him. So he could probably so, be add. Like, you know, Alec Thomas, we talked about, is one of the uh, up for Cy or Cy Young, uh, Gold Glove in center field. Uh, mm-hmm. Corb Christian. Uh, Carroll was Corbin excellent. Carroll. Corbin Carroll, thank you. I'm having brain farts all over the place. Dalton Varsho is mostly an outfielder now. He was great. Uh, yeah. It's like they almost have too many outfielders if they want to shift one down for space. A lot of these guys, you know, had some experience there. Plus, one wonders right. if, like, you know, yeah, and McCarthy was really good. I mean, rare Virginia hitter who actually hits. Um, <laughs> one and only. Hope you're listening, Aaron. Hit me in my in the DMs if you caught that. Um, <laughs> I always have fun with Aaron uh, about the UVA guys, but uh, going through it, it's like, could you maybe do like some kind of like Carson Kelly who's a very good defender at catcher filling that void, uh, a Walker Kelly trade. Like, is there something along those lines, you know, that just to further expand, it's like, there's, there's a logic to getting both those guys. And just to kind of put a, a bow on that point, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but even if you got, uh, Walker and Carson Kelly, right? I'm saying the name. Yes. Both of those two together are probably still cheaper than Sean Murphy, I think. Oh, for sure. And trade wise, yeah. I mean, what, what is, what does Walker have left? He's a free agent too. I think, I think after 2024, so he's got two yeah. seasons of control. Murphy's got a few more. Um, yeah. I don't know what Carson Kelly's is, but that's not a huge concern. It's he's at got least two three. more as well. Yeah. Two to three. It's a three. It might. So I, that's I, want a good I could be wrong. That's just top of my head. I'll, I'll look at it. I, would, I won't just. I would. I would personally love. I, I said it last season. They should have gone after, and that doesn't mean he's available. But uh, Dal- Dalton Varsho, I think, made a lot of sense mm-hmm. for Cleveland because of the the because fl- unique flexibility there. It's only two for uh, Carson Kelly. I didn't realize he had been that's up that fine. Long. That's fine. That's per- That's good for now. Um, and anybody in that window is two or three years is just a control frame. I think what is Murphy four years of control. Yeah. So he's got a little bit more. Um, yeah. he's also, so it's a way to, like, I think Carson Kelly gives you similar to what Hedges is currently, but mm-hmm. a better has had seasons of better offensive production and should be a better hitter. While two years in control, Christian Walker gives you a massive upgrade and brings the power this team needs. And I agree. I mean, I love our show. I just don't see him necessarily being someone they'd be so willing to talk about. And yes, that then creates an issue, but it, I 
felt like near the deadline, there was talk that they were willing to, to move Carson Kelly, that they were willing to consider that. So, you know, I just want to take a moment, you know, before giving you another chance to speak on this before we move on and say, hey, send us your trade ideas for Carson Kelly and Christian Walker. We're already compiling things. We really appreciate the feedback we've gotten. We're going to keep compiling things. So I just want to keep hyping that uh, trade episode that's coming up. So send us your hypothetical offers for what that would look like. And then Justin, any more thoughts? Um, no, I think you mentioned all, all the key players. Like I feel like Cleveland probably is going to prefer to trade. I don't know. I guess we can, we can revisit this in our time. Cause I know other people have mentioned Brandon Drury. We're also taking free agent proposals as well. So yeah. not just trade proposals, but also free agent proposals. So um, we can talk about, we can talk about get? Drury. Mm-hmm. What is he? 29, 30? Inconsistent career. You know, that's going to be one of those things that holds him back. He's, he's, um, uh, he's 30 years old as of August. So, and, you know, he's got a, he had a 2.6 war this year, according to baseball reference, but as a 2.0 war for his career. Um, but, you know, he's got a, it's because some of these years were really up and down with Arizona. I would probably guess he gets a two or three year deal. I don't know. He probably made himself a lot of money with the season. Yeah. I mean, this um, was, um, and the thing is the last two years have been not best of his career. Last year was only 51 games, but those are definitely like the highest production over these last two years. So yeah. Barrel rate's been the best hard hit rate's been the best this year. Um, everything looks like it holds up like ex- expected stats all kind of think that he, he overperformed a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. He'll probably get a two or three year deal. I mean, the future Zips projections don't really love hit love what he did this year. They don't think it's sustainable, but I don't know. The numbers look pretty good. I'd say two or three year deal. So what Drury and Walk I think Walker makes the most sense. Um, yeah. I like the idea Connor, of Drury just because he yeah. can play multiple positions. You're not like Walker is just a first baseman. That's all you yes. can play him at. Um I think Drury is a good option, but probably not. They probably prefer not to dip their toe in free agents. The only other, other guy I can think of is is Jose Abreu, and I don't know how realistic that is, but I think that would be a lot of people. You know, he comes up a lot. I just, I just don't think they can afford him. Like, you know, I I know he's I don't know. He's thirty five. How? I mean, I know, I know. Like saying the age is like okay. Well, he's thirty five. That's there are a lot of teams who were really terrible at at DH, and he still had what uh, one thirty seven runs created plus this year. He's never had a down offensive season. Uh, you know, he's consistent. Yeah, the home runs were dropped this year, but like he still that's only due average. to the fact that his his launch yeah. angle kind of came down yeah. a little bit. I think I mean, you could probably uh, help him get the ball in the air a little bit, more but he had a better run created plus this year than last year. So, yeah, he changed how he approached it, but he was a better hitter this year, even with less power. Right. He got on base, the higher percentage, uh, you know, the, the average was a lot higher now. He's always had high bat pips, so you could look at that. Like, this year isn't um, an outlier. I mean, it's an outlier by, like, 20 points, so it's not, like, a massive outlier. Um, right. So, Career 327 yeah, I mean, and, and 350 this year. He still almost had I a think, four win year. He had a 3.9 war this year. That's that's yeah. the second best. That's the third best year of his career. He had a, yeah. a five his rookie year, a four and a half his in 2017, and that three point nine. That was his third best year by war. So you know what? I mean, depending on how you want to look at that twenty twenty year, where you know it's only half a well, season and he got a two point nine or a third of a year. Like, 
You know, that's, right. that's kind of the one you have to arguably, I would say it's probably his third best season, but that just, right. You know, me being, uh, no, but I'll take it. I, I think, I think he's a good fit for this lineup. It just depends. No, on I, I agree. Wasn't him. I just, I don't think he's I, somebody I, you have to give a long-term deal to because he's 35. It's not like anybody is going to go out there and be like, all right, here's a four-year deal. Like, I think he's going to get one with some sort of option or some sort of like, I wouldn't Senate be shocked clause. if he got, got like a longer contract because we say that. And then remember that like Carlos Santana at entering his age 35 year got a three year deal from Kansas City. Weird things happen. I wouldn't in free Kansas City did though. No, I know. But like weird <laughs> things happen to free agency. He's a more productive hitter. I mean, Carlos Santana was coming off of a truly awful year when he got that. So I think it's like he has been healthy, consistent, and productive. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a two-year with like a, some kind of like third-year clause that's based on um, performance. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Like I could easily see a three-year deal, first two years guaranteed, third year based on plate appearances. And like I said, there's, I mean, I could see San Diego doing that if they lose Josh Bell and coming back and trying to get him because they don't have anything. There's a lot of teams that DH was a surprisingly, maybe not because, you know, it's like, we just introduced DH in the National League this year, right? Sometimes it's hard to remember how recent it was. It's like, I mean, well, technically it was, what, 2020, gone in 21, back this year. So a lot of teams weren't prepared for it. And there's still a lot of teams with needs. And I think Jose Abreu is going to cost more than people expect. Yeah, you're right. I, I think Walker probably is the most sensible option because Cleveland <laughs> needs to make a trade. And they can make that trade. It just depends on Arizona's willingness uh you know beyond that's like the only trade option i think is is out there i mean colorado and connor just i don't know i feel like his success is mostly chorus related i don't he he was that guy though like you look at the numbers he was good in tampa he was good in minnesota and then he finally got his contract in um colorado but he at least has had success outside like he was he just kept getting one year. Like he was good for two and a half wins. I feel like for like two, three years there. And I could be completely wrong. And I'm not confusing him with his brother. Cause Kevin was not very uh, good. Ooh, yeah. So, okay. We talked, we talked about um, external options. What about the future? Well, let's take um, our commercial break and come back and talk about some of those young players in the system and maybe some young players further down the line. And we are back. So, who are the best first basemen in this system? It's not great. It's not great. Um, like I, everyone's going to say, oh, they have John Ken's in a while. You and I are, I mean, you and I are both very um, timid on his future. I know, like. K rates like his almost unilaterally fail. I say almost because we've seen, like, uh, you know, I know there's people who are going to be like, hey, and you said. The guys like Oscar Gonzalez almost unilaterally fail, and I'll be like, "Yes, yep, I did hear." But yeah. like, there's a reason why we have those concerns. Most guys with K rates that high, it's not good. I'll give Noel this: he got to Double A this year, and he he was striking out a lot at at Lake County, a lot, and he got to Akron, and he lowered his K rate by about nine percent in the same amount of plate appearances. So you could say the sample sizes are even. He's only 20 years old, so that's encouraging, I guess, if you want to look at it from that perspective. Obviously, the power is ridiculous. When he makes contact, 
um, the ball is, is hit really hard. He ran to some bad luck in Akron, but he was also um, swinging at a lot of pitches that he just couldn't drive, and he was making too much contact with pitches that were, you know, he wasn't going to do anything with. He was hitting pitchers' pitches essentially, like you know, Oscar Gonzalez. It was one of the knocks on him. So there we go. But um, I don't know. It's kind. Of, it feels like Noel or Bus. Like you know, do you move Nolan Jones to first base because it seems like they they had. They had Noel in AAA to end the season, so you're going to have him and Jones maybe play first base in AAA. Um, I guess that's an option. I like Mike Capriz. I know he's not like a, a high-end prospect or anything, but he had a, he had a pretty good year in Akron. Uh, was almost a 2020 guy. Comes from a small school in Loma Point, Nazarene. It's a, it's a Division II school. And he played center field there. He uh, had Tommy John, and he got into the – the system and you know between playing in division two and then missing a seat missing two seasons he didn't play in 2019 or 2020 um he's come a long way very fast so i wonder if there's some like late bloomer potential there for him and i i like him they played him a lot of first base this year outside of those three guys like i'm just like there's nobody else to really look at joe naranjo had a bunch of home runs this year but i'm not a huge fan he repeated of- the level though too didn't he he did, but he was still young for the level. Um, so, but that's still one. Know. That I mean, it's I mean, it's not old, but like for repeating a level, it's right. You know, it, um, it's not like Ulysses. It when they drafted a first base only high school kid, my mind went back to Ulysses Cantu. He has not been Ulysses Cantu. Like you know, Ulysses Cantu was pretty much all bad, and, and Naranjo had a, a good year. I also feel like it started out better than it ended. It did. He, uh, he got off to a really hot start. He was walk, you know, he, he went from a guy who I think we thought was going to be all hit tool, like Jake Bowers, all hit, no power. And now mm-hmm. he's kind of the three true outcome guy. Like he strikes out a lot. He walks a lot. He hit some home runs this year. That was, that was a very odd change for him. The other guy we can talk about that I think is interesting. He's not going to be a full-time first baseman, but I think we should talk about in future episodes is David Fry. Yeah, um, I have him. I, he's one of my tabs right now for, for this episode. Yeah, he he would be a great fit for this roster next year because he would give Terry Francona that third catcher that he always wants on the bench because, you know, he's afraid to pinch it for his catchers. And who knows who the two catchers will be next year. But um, you can play Fry. I just I was talking to somebody from the who works in the system earlier today, and he was saying, you know, he thinks David Fry would be a really good asset for Terry Francona. He thinks that he handles third and first base. Um, very well for a utility guy, and he's not a bad catcher. Uh, he's not having a whole lot of luck throwing out runners in Arizona in the fall league, I will say. I think he's like two for 14, which isn't great. But you have to remember they're they're using the new rules where the pitcher can only step off or throw over twice. Um, and that may not be good for, for Fry, but he might – you know, I think essentially he'd be your emergency catcher if he's on this roster. He'd be on the roster to be an emergency catcher, and maybe he can play a little bit of first – and then play against lefties and maybe third base if you need, if you need them to. Cause that's the thing too. It's like, yes, the, the positional flexibility is awesome, but the, he, I, am I crazy that if he is up, he should be almost like a, a, a full-time player against lefties until he proves he can't to a degree. Cause I mean, he was so good against lefties this year. I think he was one of the best hitters in the entire system in terms of production against left-handed pitching. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know his number numbers this year were 100% better against lefties, and and they have room. You know, there's room to to add them to the 40 if they really wanted to. 
Like and for those who don't remember, he was the uh, the return for JC Mejia. And it was really interesting because it definitely felt like a situation where JC Mejia was traded for a player to be named later. And, you know, they, they added Fry specifically after the Rule 5. Like, he was going to be – he was a the guy they targeted. They wanted to get him if he cleared the Rule 5. So there was concerns a year ago. At least that's how it certainly seemed to me, where it was like after the Rule 5 was announced that it wasn't going to happen, that deal was completed. And Cleveland got him. So there were concerns a year ago that he might get selected because flexible utility types get picked. Uh, do you think, let's put it this way. So we, I think you and I both agree the number one player to protect is Martinez. Number two would be Cantillo. Do you think Fry is the third most likely or the third biggest need to protect? I don't think it's a giant need, but I, I would add him just out of pure value and see how Would he be your third add? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. I haven't really, I haven't really decided on who I feel like needs to be added. Um, it's like Hankins is the big name. Torres is the big name. Uh, Gabriel. No, none, none of those, none of those guys need to be added because yeah, Gabriel not, Rodriguez had some signs of life this year, but before his injury, which I, might make him an easier selection because he's hurt. I was going to say I worry about his injury situation. I don't know. Mike Capriz to me, I think would Capriz, get taken. Yeah. And then you've got you know your slew of relievers. You've got Tim Heron and um, no, I know you would protect Heron before him. You do like Timmy Heron. I do. Not, Nick, there's I any mean, reason not to. I mean, he might be the top left-handed reliever in this system. I mean, it's you know it's not a deep group, but it's hard. Indiana uh, is not known for. Yeah, well, is, is but is he a lefty? I know he had a down. No, but I know he had a down oh. here. I just worry yeah. that someone takes him and and they're yeah. like, okay. We're, we're going to get him back up to speed. Well, I wouldn't be shocked if the Guardians find room to protect him. Like, you know, they kind of yeah. have their arms they like and they know. And even after a down year, they'll stick with a guy. I um, think it's I think it's Martinez, Cantillo, one of the relievers, and then Fry. That would be my order. Figure out a reliever. Go to and get Cantillo and, and uh, Martinez protected and then figure out one of the relievers and then go to Fry. But I would definitely protect Fry. And – I, I do want to double back to Noel again. I think the thing is the, the reason you have hope is the monstrous power. Uh, and the fact is you have to give the guy credit because every year he's improved. So we'll see what he does this year. And even through the course of this year, he did improve. Um, I think it's just, you and I have had too many guys where, and I know it's only, it was only this year in high a where he had that K rate over 30%. But I think, through the years, we have seen so many guys with that high K rate. It just makes us allergic to anything over 30. So I wonder the pitching if gets is... better. The pitching gets better. That's the yeah. thing. And uh, yes. And his dropped when he moved up, which is a great sign. So I do want to say that. I think we have a degree of an allergic reaction to like, I'll call it a Bradley Zimmer, like K rate. Um, and here's, I, you know, here's the one thing. This is the last thing I'll say, cause we probably should move on or get out of here. But um, whoever Cleveland acquires, if they decide to go external for a first base option or someone to platoon with Josh Naylor, all the options we mentioned, I think, are the only fits out there. I don't think they're going to like they, – they didn't get Matt Olson last year. So I think the only options they consider are going to be the Walker types, the Drury yeah. types, the maybe Jose Abreu, and, and if, if everything kind of falls right to them. Those are guys that are two- or three-year – placeholders they're not yeah. guys that will block noel if noel is the real deal so you're going to get somebody in the short term and, and they'll give it they'll give noel a chance to to be the future and if not they'll have to pivot from there nope exactly 
this was a long one, which is funny because we planned like extra things that, uh, for every episode. We have backups and uh, we don't need any backups. We need shorten ups. <laughs> Uh, so I'm just going to run us to the end here because I don't want to stay at 45 minutes. So I want to thank you all for listening. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It really helps our show to grow. Leave us a, uh, a review on iTunes. And in terms of our subscriptions, we're up to 792, eight oh away gosh. from 800. So let's help let's get us over 800. That's, that's the goal. That is your homework as a teacher. I'm assigning you homework. It is to get us to 800 YouTube subscribers. Thank you again. We appreciate and love you all. And we end every show by saying, go, go, Guardians, go.